welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. So welcome into our preliminary finals preview uh, for NRL 2020. My name's Adam. Uh, my name's Jared. His name again. Welcome into the Six Again podcast. A couple of episodes to go till the end of the season anyway, end of the finals. Uh, we thought this was going to be a short and sharp show with only two games to talk about, but a little bit of news dropped literally 10 minutes ago. So we put off recording, have a read up on that. We are recording this Wednesday night. So there may be a late change for each team uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night. If so, we'll tweet it out from our Twitter account at six again pod and also we'll update on facebook but not a lot's been going on outside of uh, off the field a couple of signings and a couple of players brought into queensland origin camp so maybe we start with the signings because it's got nothing to do anything else moving forward jared um you're a big fan of one of the players who's been locked up on a two-year deal yeah, um, Jack Heverington signed with the Bulldogs for two years. Um, when Dylan Napa came to the Bulldogs, he was supposed to bring aggression to their pack. He's done fuck all in the last two years. Um, no, he hasn't. Um, but then you put Jack Heverington egging him on. I reckon put both of them together. It's going to be a hell of a fearsome forward pack, front row at least. Um, <laughs> it'd be funny if they started both because it'd just be a, a wild child. First have, 20 minutes of that game. Have um, those two as your starting props with Fatala Mariner. Ogden. Um, a few others. Few, they've got a few young props at Bulldogs. But you, even if you have one on the bench and one starting, you're going to have aggression all game. Um, you're going to have to pay lawyers a lot through um, <laughs> judiciary. judiciary stuff. But if Trent Barrett's smart enough and he can get him to use the aggression well, um, that's going to be pretty. It's a it's a really good song, I reckon. I, despite Jack Re- Heverington's judiciary record, um, he's only like 23, 24 or something. His best years are ahead of him. I reckon he's going to be a really solid prop for a long time. We really saw what he did when he got an extended run when he went to the Warriors on the loan deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he really brought quite a bit to the to the Warriors in his stint. And when you look at what can who Canterbury have signed. Already since Barrett, well, before and since Barrett's been there, you got Hetherington coming in, Nick Cottrick coming in in the back line. So some a talent upgrade there, talent upgrade in the forwards. Um, oh, don't forget Corey Waddell as well. Yeah, no, I think yeah, there's it, still there's still more to see of him. Um, well, this thing, they've already got Jackson, they've got Napa, they've got um, Elliot as well. Yeah. Um, they've got Fatala Mariner. So they're going to have a lot of good forwards. Their problem is they don't have a hooker <laughs> and they don't half. have halves. They don't have halves anymore no. because they signed Blake Green and he, he, he looks like he's going to backflip on the contract. So it makes sense for both sides. Well, really. I don't, uh, yeah, well, he, he's still recovering from his surgery. It's not wrong, but it's just they need to buy someone and that probably leads on to our next story. About oh, well, yeah, I reckon we'll. Um, oh, all right, well, yeah, we may as well do that one now, actually. So all the rest go together. So the, about 10 minutes ago, um, Roosters dropped some news. Now this relates to what we talked about at the end of, on the aftermath, I guess, of the Roosters' loss in their final last week uh, to Canberra. 
in that a lot of the blame of the loss in the season has fallen at Kyle Flanagan's feet. And uh, both Jared and I thought he has been really harshly done by. And all the media stories are saying the witch hunt, head hunt against Flanagan and people are upset with him. And all the fans and most of the public aren't. Who's upset with him? He was fine. Media-led backlash. And Roosters dropped out 10 minutes ago stating that they've told Kyle Flanagan that his contract will not be renewed beyond next season. His contract was due to run out in 2021. And he's actually already been granted permission um, to begin negotiations with rival clubs. Supposedly, they were conveyed to, conveyed to Flanagan that Sam Walker and Lachlan Lamb are the future of the Roosters, not Flanagan himself. And um, yeah, thanks, but no thanks is pretty much the message. This is this is just confusing all around to me. It, it's it's it, To me, it throws up the question, why sign him in the first place? What was the point of signing him from Cronulla? If so, you're just going to kick him in a year because he couldn't, what, rival a Hall of Fame player? Fame. Fuck me. Understating of Cooper Cronk. Well, it's um, either Immortal or Hall of Fame. It's Yeah. Um, he won three premierships in a row. So, yeah, right. I have, I see both sides of the argument to this. Um, on the dropping of Kyle Flanagan, um, just for me personally, the last time I criticised a half the, uh, recruitment decision from the Roosters was back when... <clears throat> Roosters dropped Mitchell Pierce and signed Cooper. Yeah. So that was a ballsy move. They got two premierships out of it. Um, does lightning strike twice? Uh, I don't know because. Um, but I'm just gonna, I don't think you can. I, I don't. Two. No, no. But see, this, this is this is my point. I don't see how it was Kyle Flanagan's fault. What happened this year? There's no way in hell. But for something like for Trent Robinson to make this big of a call without and we don't know if there's a backup option yet without having a backup option that's you know as big of a call as bring Cronk in if that makes yeah. sense um Trent Robinson generally doesn't make these decisions without planning ahead and without legitimate reasons so unfortunately there's probably something going on behind the scene um that no one knows about I had this conversation with Adam before the podcast so, I actually kind of see Luke Keary as a bit of a, he got away scot-free on this one. Yeah, I'm coming around on that, actually. Because, so here's how I threw it down. In the last 10 to 15 years, there's been four dominant halves. So you've got Jonathan Thurston, Cooper Cronk, Mitchell Pierce, and Cherry Evans, right? So Mitchell Pierce and Cherry Evans are probably coming through, but they were the four dominant halves. Um, Luke Keary understudied under two of the dominant halves He's had the best apprenticeship out of everyone else, everyone in the competition. He he, also could you throw Adam off. Reynolds in that as well? Because he was with Adam Reynolds for a bit as yeah, well. Yeah, but Adam Reynolds and Luke Keary are around the same age. So oh, yeah, yeah. they would have been learning together. That's how I see that one. Um, so he had a, had the best apprenticeship. He also had the best training because Andrew Johns um, was a halves coach for the Roosters for a long time. So he's learned of literally the best halfback ever. Um, still at this point, like obviously first he's he's an immortal, so he's got a better accolade than first in the crop. Let's yeah. put it that way for now. For all the people he's blowing up right now, that's how I see it. Um wait wait a couple of years until they fucking retire. It's can't be um but he's had the best apprenticeship. This was his turn to teach someone to apprentice under him. And I don't think Luke Curie has done that yet. I don't think he's really taken the important. I don't think that was probably my biggest criticism and it was 
wasn't a big criticism because they're still winning. The Roosters are still playing really well. It didn't look like Kiri and Flanagan gelled too well all year. And that's probably the biggest criticism of um, the Roosters. And like I said, a little criticism because they've been elite all year. Um, and you could always say, you know, Cooper Cronk came in uh, when, uh, sorry, Luke Kiri and Cooper Cronk, when they came in, they gelled straight away when mm. they were together, straight away. You always say, oh, but Cooper Cronk is an immortal. If you look at the resume of Luke Keary, he's won free fucking premiership. Like, he he is elite 5'8". And the reason he hasn't played Origin of Australia because of injuries, uh, that's the only reason. No one else can say that. That's the only... So he, he is up there with probably the most dominant halves in the last five years up there. Like, one of the most dominant halves in the last five years, I reckon. And he's still got a few years to go. But because of all that, he should have taken Luke Kyle Flanagan under his wig a lot more, I believe. And now Flanagan, for some reason, despite everyone else, the other 25 members of the Roosters squad, for some reason, Kyle Flanagan has been blamed for losing or bowing out of the competition so early. Um, there's got to be more going on behind the scenes because it doesn't seem like a decision to make because they're so close-knit. So I believe there's something else going on here. Might not get along with people or this that. Right? I don't know. I think a couple of things with that. When they brought when they brought Cronk in over Pierce, they knew they were literally a fingertip away from a premiership. Yeah, and he and was the only player you could bring in over Pierce in the entire exactly. competition. That while it's a big call, it made a hundred percent sense. Yeah. Um there was no this and then Cronk's moved on and still in Sydney. Highly, I'd highly doubt that he'd still have nothing to do with, uh, he wouldn't have anything to do with the Roosters, um, or at least in the offseason. So Roosters are going, right, we still got this elite squad. They couldn't go out and sign a top-end half. So we know Cronk had taken a cut to go there because he'd moved to Sydney with his girlfriend. So they couldn't go out and play, pay big, big money. So they get this young kid um, from Sydney, and brought him in and said, this is our halfback of the future. And when you look at how Pl- Cole Flanagan plays this game, it, it's not like for like for Cronk, but they're very similar. They rely on a short kicking game. Flanagan's isn't there yet. No young half short kicking game's really there yet. Uh, and said, all right, you're going to take us through. I agree with, I hadn't thought about it, but I agree with what you said with regards to Kiri. And I don't see him as a dominant half because he does zone in and out of games. He's not a defender. Um, he's not going to run through people. He needs to run around people. And he creates as many tries with speed um, and a, a brilliant cutout ball. But he's not one who takes the game by the scruff of the neck. That's not his job for the rest. Tedesco does that. And then I was starting to think while you were talking then, what made the Storm so successful when they had Smith, Cronk and Slater? Not just them as players, but how many times did you see those three link up on the same play? Mm-hmm. Um a Smith ball to Kronk, inside ball to Slater. Think of a time where you've got Jake Friend, Tedesco, um, and Kiri or Flanagan all in the same play. They've been together for like three years now, those three. And I can hardly remember multiple times um, where those three have hooked up. They score in a different way. Tedesco puts 80% of the scoring on him. Kiri might get them field position, but almost everything comes through their fullback. Um, Friends just a deliverer of a ball. So what are you expecting Flanagan to do? Yeah. It's not just Kiri either. It's Tedesco, it's Friend, it's Cordner, it's all these other leaders. Um, and yet this young guy's a scapegoat. I'm not saying he's perfect. Like his stats weren't fantastic this year. I'm just looking at him like, 
how many games did he end up playing? Um, his stats are fine. He went through all of them. So he, he had 11 try assists. Leaders in 18, he got dropped for about four games. So 11 try assists in 17 games in his debut Oh, okay, year. 17 games. That's right. Four tries, um, 117 runs, but kicking efficiency of, what, 90% as a conversion kicker. Um, only gave away 12 penalties through the whole season. Actually, no, in 17 games, it's quite a lot. But 91 goals, he kicked. The leader's at 96, and he missed four games. Um, and for a debut half, actually, that's... Yeah, I was looking at over 20 games. It is flattering, but that's they're, they're relatively good stats. I'm trying to find Kiri's now. That's one thing. There's not a great stats where you can um, so pair players. This is why I think there's something else going on behind this. Behind it. This is why I think it's that's why. Because he, he, if you look at it from the outside in and you look at his games, he wasn't overly bad. Oh. And, and, and obviously, because Trent Robinson sees a lot more than what we see. Yeah, true. Um, he's seen something that he's like, nah, got to get rid of him. Go, go, see you later. Which is fair enough, Trent Robinson. He's deserved, he's earned the right to be throwing players out. Um, it's not like Steve Kearney trying to throw players out. Like, yeah. what have you done, mate? Um, so that's why I think it's something behind the, behind the scenes going on. That's that's that's, and we're not we're not jumping on the bandwagon criticizing Roosters because they've had a great season. They just set the bar so high. If they don't win a premiership, that's disappointing. I just want them to come out with a reason. Like you get, it's all well enough to say that Walker and uh and Lamb are the future, and it's all well and good for Robinson to sit in his press conference and say we uh, Raiders deserve to win because they were the better team. That's all good. But then the only thing we've heard from their club is. That Flanagan's going to get shipped on. No one from the Roosters has come out and said, no, 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 that's not true. They've just let it roll. And the next thing we hear that he's gone. Well, it's been uh, told that he can leave. Now, I just want to (coughs) hear some reasoning behind it. And that's not Flanagan's job to do. Um, To me, it just just looks like a really bad piece of business saying we're going to take this guy from another club when he was in a position to be the future half of Cronulla. and continue to learn off Townsend and Johnson. And then um, a year in, say, nah. Now, Lachlan Lamb and Sam Walker, if, they, if they're going to be ready for the NRL next season, they would have been ready to play NRL this season. Not the whole season, but here and there. Um, and they came in when needed, but never... Oh, I can only remember one starting. <laughs> How many games did Lachlan Lamb start? They didn't start all four. No, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, out. you have to... Yeah. I don't see either of them playing the whole season next year. They're still in their window for premierships. Um, the Roosters, they've still got a couple of years left of a window for premiership. I'm interested to see who they're going to bring in. So they're going to have to bring someone in. Especially if Flanagan goes off the books. Sonny Bill's off the books. Orbison's off the books. Um, none of them are doing it on huge money. Um, but in saying that, there's not... The two most veteran halves that are free agents for next season are Tyrone Roberts and Benji Marshall. I could see appeal for Benji and putting his hand up. I could see appeal for the Roosters saying, look, we'll give you 200 bucks, 200 grand, come here for a season, help us win a premiership while our young guys have another season, hopefully in New South Wales Cup to get better. Um, different style of player, obviously, but if they put one of those young guys in next year, whoo, that's going to be a lot bigger. Yeah. I was, that's uh, a big, big, big uh, dice to roll. Um, I think we've... Yeah, there's a lot more going to come out of this. Yeah. Then. Anyway, um, 
Talking to Kyle Flang earlier in the year, seems like the kind of fella, kind of kid who will have his head screwed on right. And um, a club will definitely be lining him up to pick him up. And Canterbury's already started sniffing around. Uh, Tanner Boyd also signed on for a further season at the Titans, just a wrap-up signing. Um, that'll keep him there till the end of 2022. Now, Queensland have brought in two more players since uh, Roosters and Parramatta have been kicked out of the finals. So Lindsay Collins and Jake Friend have been brought into Maroon's camp. Now, I guess the two positions really up for grabs in the Queensland camp are the number 14 and the number nine. So you've got Harry Grant, Ben Hunt and Jake Friend there at the moment that who will all be battling out. Uh, ben Hunt has the utility value uh, with regards to he's done it at this level before, hooker and halfback. I wouldn't feel out of place with Harry Grant being hooker and even playing a bit of lock if needed. Whereas uh, I guess Jake Friend could do the same, but he's not really known as a runner of the ball either. So that's going to be interesting. Ben, At least there's some competition for places, which I, is good considering they're going in as heavy underdogs. I, I, I was more relaxed about this situation until Bennett got named as coach. Um, you say what you want about Bennett in big games when he's brought in to coach or help. He's got a reputation of sneaking one up on you and picking players that aren't really... That. So you, the best example is 2008 World Cup. No matter what anyone says, he was the coach of that New Zealand team. Whatever anyone says, he was the coach. He was also the coach um, of the England team. The yeah, last no, one. but he was brought in a fortnight before the series. Oh, yeah. So when he's brought in late and he comes up with his own plan and just throws people. He just pretty much goes, play to your natural ability. When he's coached for a while, he puts plans in place and he mm. talks to people and stuff. I just feel like because he's known for his game manager, he's just going to go in and go, here's the team I want. You guys go out there and play. And that's the best way Bennett coaches. Um, I could do that. And <laughs> No, well, you know <laughs> what I mean. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm more worried about. So as far as his hooking role, I think that... In the, the one position where Queensland have over New South Wales is the hooking. Like New South Wales have Damien Cook and probably Coruscant. I'll um, take that. Yeah, no, you would. But Harry Grant for the next 12 years. Jake Friend. Who's oh, been I'm just talking about this series. Free premierships, you know. <laughs> I'd what take do Cook and Coruscant. No, you, you do do that. But Grant and Friend, like you, you got one end of friend who's just going to be safe for you. He's going to have perfect service. I wouldn't be surprised if he had two, both. I reckon Grant 14, he can play lock, and then friend 9. Friend goes off the field, he comes on his lock, and he tackles and holds that mid all day because that's something, that's something Queensland needs. We've got a better book. New South Wales got a forward pack. He needs defenders. And then you got Grant's creativity out, out of dummy half, which Queensland haven't had the last box. So... That's how I see it going along. I think the biggest thing going for friend may have been ruled out of origin one. Um, when we go into injuries with an injury cloud hovering over Tedesco and a knee injury that may miss him to miss origin one, the advantage friend would have would be a reading and a knowledge of how uh, Tedesco runs. So communication on the field. I think that's the I, biggest thing going for I, Jake friend. Yeah. I don't see that anymore. Um, I, okay, sorry. I see it to a point, but this but day going to have his own plans. But with technology, video, different angles, people watch the games these days. I reckon that um, 
there's no secret calls to what people do. Everyone knows each other's habits these days. So I reckon this day, like, you, the, the thing that makes players these days greater than back then 30 years ago is the fact that everyone knows what they're going to do. Still stopping it is the problem. Like, Cam Smith is a great example. Actually, the best example is Justin Hodges. Every time he goes in dummy half, you know he's going to run. No one can stop him for 12 metres, though, for some stupid-ass reason. They go high. Yeah, I, it does my head in. Like, I, I know, but hooker, even then, instinct and that still has a role to play in the game. Yeah, no, that's what I said, to a point, but I don't think it influenced team decisions. No, 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 I, I'd never, I would never get to the point of saying he'll get kicked just because of that. I'd say and that's the biggest thing that he'll bring on the field outside of what Harry Grant would bring or outside of what Ben Hunt would bring. Yeah, um, I, I don't think Ben Hunt's going to make this. The only the thing that going in his favour is the fact that Wayne Bennett was his, his guy who gave his debut at Bronco. <laughs> I worked for Darius Boyd for a long time. Um, so other injuries, we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks back about Sean Johnson's injury. The club has come out and confirmed that they're aiming for around 8 to 10 return. Surgery was successful um, and he's begun a rehab program. And out of the NRLW, we haven't done any coverage on it really because how much has been going on. But Charlotte Kaslick, one of the well, big profile names in the NRLW this season, one of rugby seven gold medal players, uh, picked up two fractures in her spine um, from a game last week. Uh, so she's been ruled out for the rest of the season. Um, it's a bit of a shame because she's a, a star player, star power um, athlete. Uh, so it's a, a bit of a, a bit of a blow there for the NRLW. So on to <laughs> our prelim finals. So first one being Storm and Raiders, 6.50 New South Wales. Oh, sorry. Queensland time, 7.50 New South Wales time. Um, up at Suncorp Stadium, my first footy game of the year. Hopefully Jared's coming down as well because I need a driver. Big I am news, not. You are too. Big news for the Storm. Uh, Munster's been named in their 1-17 to and Dalphin in their uh, reserves. Obviously, we're not going to know tonight whether Fanu is named in the 17. They're still optimistic he will play, um, but there's no certainty yet. So Storm 1-17 to is Pappenhausen at fullback with Vunavalu and Adokar on the wings. Branko and Justin Olam in the centre. Uh, Cam Munster, Jerome Hugh, 5'8", halfback. Jesse Bromwich, Christian Welch, Cameron Smith make up your prop and hooker. Felice Kafusi, Kenny Bromwich, and Nelson Asafa Solomona are your second row and lock. Interchange brings us Brandon Smith, Tino Fasamawale, Tom Eisenhuth, and Nico Hines. So last time Tom Eisenhuth was named on the interchange, there was a late switch with uh, Chris Lewis coming in uh, to the 17. Chris Lewis is on the reserves. Uh, he ended up being named and played zero minutes from memory. And Nico mm-hmm. Hines only played 10 minutes. They pretty much played with 15. I... Don't see that happening against a Canberra squad that doesn't really need time off with their forwards. Because when uh, Papali and uh, Hudson Young have, uh, yeah, Hudson Young had their rest, or Tuffney had their rest, you got Louis, uh, Hauer and Ira, Soliola coming onto the field. But yeah, the big one there for the Storm, Munster being named, Fanukin in the reserves. Obviously, if Fanukin does play, you're expecting Tom Eisenhuth as the player to drop out. Fanukin would go into lock and Sofa Solomona would most likely go to the bench. It's how I'd see it playing. Yeah, so with if Fanukin plays... He hasn't played since round 14. Yeah, no, that's, that that's right. Um, but if Fanukin plays, I think Ricky Stewart... Oh, yeah, they don't want him to play. No, 
Um, he he like like Adam said, he is hasn't played since round fourteen. So that's what well, now ten weeks ago, just nine weeks ago. If any player in the NRL didn't play for nine weeks, but you rushed him back from prelim, it'd be Dale Finn. He has that much influence, and he goes about it in such a such an underrated way. Unassuming manner. Yeah, he's just he's that good. He we. He's a that's Dallas the thing Johnson. about New South Wales. Well, I reckon he's better than Johnson at this. That's the thing about New South Wales. They've got three elite level locks, and Fanukin like he's the least flashy. Of those well, three, yeah, he is, but he's also could be the best. Um, I, I rate him just as good as Jake Trevojevich, and I love Jake Trevojevich. I reckon he's easily the best. Fanukin's not that far away, um, and yeah, he uh, he typifies Melbourne, yeah, so well that I just I, and if I anyone think... could come back after that long off and still play eighty, uh, or oh, yeah. close to it, yeah. I don't think Bellamy would make him play 80. That was <laughs> absolutely necessary. Um, I don't think Bellamy game, would go in and go, if it's necessary, have fun. Yeah, no, he definitely Look after my middle. Um, he'll be the one He'll be the one stopping Papali. He'll be tasked with that. Um, and that that would be actually a really good battle defensively. Papali versus... So like Papali a rock, run rock tackling a hard object. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, that that that's actually the biggest thing I'm looking forward to watching in this, oh, this game. Yeah, these forward pack battles, like yeah, Solomona, Fanukin if he plays, uh, Christian Welch up against your Soliola, Louis Papali, Tarpane, the, and the, then your hard running. Se- oh, Bateman and Whitehead versus Kafusi and Bromwich with Kafusi finally starting around in some form. Bromwich looking really good in the semi. See. This is what annoys me about it because, as everyone quite well knows, I don't like Canberra, but that back, that second row combination, I rate the highest in the NRL, probably in the world right now, because of the fact they can do everything, those two English pricks. (laughs) They can. So they can run the same lines for Kafusi can, which is be just as damaging. And they can also do the tricky shit like um, Kenny Bromwich can. So, if, and they if, can both one-on-one rake. Yeah. Consistently. So, like, Craig Bellamy's got a really good second-row partnership because you've got the hard running of um, Kafusi, like I said, and yeah. the late stepping and passing, like, Bromwich. But so Ricky Stewart, on the other hand, has combined Kafusi and Bromwich and put them into two super players and goes, ha, deal with that. And, like, the biggest thing about it is, a couple of weeks ago, Canberra had a few injuries to their halves. Put Elliot Whitehead at six. He now got man in the match in ten minutes. He set up two tries. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so that's where I see Canberra winning because, oh, like I said, I the battle between yet. Jesus, well, the battle between Fanuka and Papali will be epic. But where you match them up, I see Elliot Whitehead and John Bateman beating everyone on the, and that's where I see such a. That's the only difference I see in these teams. Olam plays on the same edge as. Um... Bromwich? I want to say Bateman. No, no I want to say with Bromwich. Head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it's um, Olam, Bromwich, Adokar. Yeah. Um, that's on the left side. So they'll be taking on the right side with uh, Kotrick and Rapana. Which, that's that Olam versus Rapana. I hope Rapana gets laid out. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> if, if you've got Kenny Bromwich and um, Olam run at Rapana and Kotrick, you just think back to Parramatta. That's the only place that they could get around him. 
And that was freaking Takarangi and uh, not Takarangi. That was fucking whoever's on that. Oh, Wanga Blake and that. I'm like, well, that puts Croker and Valemi um, and Kafusi on the other side against. Sorry, Franco Lee and Vunavalu. Um, Oh, Jesus. So the other thing I see here is the halves battle. So I really like it, but the only thing is different is actually again going in Canberra's favour because for four or five eights, you probably got the two best running halves of our generation playing there, but it's just a halfback. So the advantage Canberra's got here is George Williams is a organised halfback. Yeah, he's, he's a, if, if you wanted to see a definition of a halfback in a modern game, you, um, he can do everything. Yeah. But Jerome Hughes isn't an out and out half. He's a running half. So Melbourne have got two running halves where Canberra probably have a better balance as far as their halves go. Yeah. Um, but then also you just casually add Cameron Smith. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. And that kind of leans it more towards Melbourne. But so that's what's so interesting because the opposing numbers and the opposing team uh, players in this game is really good. Um, and- so on the Canberra, if we go through the team, Charles Nicole Clock started at fullback after an absolute ripper of a game last week, as did Valemi on the wing, uh, Kotrick on the other wing, Rapana and Croker in the centres. You've got to target Rapana. His defence in the last two weeks has been horrible. He also hasn't scored. Um, he gave away a dumb penalty last week as well, tackling Tupo in the air without the ball when he wasn't even looking at it. He's just out of position so often. White and Williams are looking awesome the last couple of weeks there, halves bearing. But Parley and Soliola's been named to start this week uh, as opposed to coming off the bench. Tom Starling has been named to start at hooker, although he didn't last week. Uh, John Bateman, Elliot Whiteheader in the second round, like we said. Joseph Tarpany at lock, having his best season, I would say. Silva Harvili, Dynamis Louis, Hudson Young, Corey Hawira, Naira on the interchange. However, the big inclusion for the Raiders um, on their reserves, as the Storm had with Finucane, Canberra have with Ryan Sutton, who was really playing well before he got injured. Uh, yeah. The hard thing um, for Stewart, who goes out? You'd have to yeah. say Harvili and Starling had played 90 if he's going to bring him in. Yeah, so for me, Havili has to drop out. Yeah. I think Starling's proved that he can play full mount. Um, but they really don't have anyone who can go in there, though. Yeah, you did that. mention... you. Oh, okay. There is ways around it. So you could always throw George Williams into hooker, who he, if you don't... I don't know if you know, he actually debuted at hooker in England. He was a hooker. Sorry? You could see that. Yeah, so he debuted at hooker in England. They got moved to halfback. So I would, I think that's decent enough cover. Move Joey Williams to hooker and then bring one of the second rows into the halves with Jack White. So that's, 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 so that is a big drop off because if Whitehead, like say you say Whitehead comes in, him and Jack White have almost the same game. They're just going to run. Yeah, I know. I agree with that. But <laughs> the thing about it is, I see that as a more positive attacking threat or positive team overall than bringing Havili on at all. Wow, okay. I don't I don't rate him. Uh, he's too slow now. Um, good on Canberra. They do see something in it, and he's pretty solid defensively, but I just think he's too slow. The best thing he's got about him, he's probably got, um, not the best, obviously, but he's got pretty decent service out of dummy half. That's his biggest advantage. But I think they need to have Tom Starling start 
in this game, especially against the Roosters, uh, Melbourne, because they need a quick start. And that's what mm-hmm. he's going to They need, yeah, they, they need the same start they had last week. Yeah. So and you could see that took it out of them last week, the start of the game, how much effort they had to put in. Um, it took them a good 15 or so minutes to roll the Roosters back after the Roosters got on their, on their, uh, on momentum. Oh. We still know that the Storm, they've gotten better of it, better at it over the past season or so. They were never good chasers of points. They were always the best front runners. But if you could get in front of them early, they did struggle to chase because they didn't, they used to not score a lot of points. They'd be winning games 20 yeah. to 10, 20 to 12, 20 to 4, or something like that. Whereas now they're. And for that reason, you need Tom Starlings. Yes, I agree. Um, as for it... Melbourne, um, they've, if they don't have Fanukin, I think for the same reason, they need to move. Uh, a soft owner up front, Welch off the bench, and Famasuli at loss. So that way, you for the same reason, you've got you you've got a really attacking forward pack straight away. Big bodies moving up the middle, um, all that kind of stuff. So if Melbourne get off to a flying start, Canberra, aren't, I don't I don't see Canberra. Oh well, okay, sorry, I do now. They do they could chase it. But if Melbourne get ahead, like Adam said, they're the best leaders in the competition as far as I'm Smith controlling that rock. And if Melbourne gets 16 points ahead, I, I'd be very surprised if Canberra were able to chase them down. Out of all the teams in the NRL, I wouldn't be surprised if Canberra fucking chased them down the way they do play. But yeah, so that's what I reckon should happen because Welch, when he comes onto the field, yeah, he's a great front rower, but he's a defensive front rower. So I'd, I'd rather him, if you're saying they need a fast start to get up the field, I'd be benching Bromwich and starting Welch. He's got what, a, the, guy so they, who, the guy who creates second phase who can step. Yeah, but quick. as a meter reader and someone who's going to get them up the field quickly, Welch does that better than Bromwich. Yes, Welch has got more skill and subtlety. Um, that helps in the red zone. Um, it used to help a lot with Slater around, but they'd play together a lot longer for that sort of subtlety to occur. I don't know. On the other side, I do love bringing Welch off the bench for his impact because he runs the ball so freaking hard. You just don't get a let up. I could even just see them um, starting Brendan Smith again, but not at the... I, I could just see him just switching him and um, a soft assault nah, owner. See, for, for that, so... And obviously, we're not Craig Bellamy standing coaches, but for this game, I see them needing a quick start with Famicilli Lock a soft owner in the middle. And then once you get ahead, you bring on Kristen Welch to hold that lead, but you still bring on Brendan Smith to attack. So Brendan Smith, when he comes, like that game, when was it? I guess St. George in the last round when they dropped 16 players or whatever, yeah. 12 players. He was the only one. He was head and shoulders. It's so funny because he's short. Yeah, dude. it's a short. He's head and shoulders above the entire, everyone else on the field. When he was on Melbourne, we're on. But in saying that too, he was still strong defensively and he was still making, you know, decent meters. So if your rotation is Bromwich and Asafa Solomona come off the field and bring up Brandon Smith, and if Bromwich and Asafa Solomona can get that 16-point lead, those two are going to hold it really well. They're going to be unstoppable in that middle. And especially when you, if you can add Fanukin into the middle as well, Canberra would really struggle to get some go forward with those three in the middle coming on. All right. Hmm, that's uh, like obviously everyone sees it differently, but that's how I tactically see it. If I know Brandon Smith came on to surprise a few people at the start of the season, but I just think he's he if he he's the guy 
I think, protects a lead really well because he can do both sides of the play. Um, and he's, he's, a, he's a low... What's the word? Low percentage. He's a high percentage player. He's got a... He's got a... The gap between his floor and his ceiling yeah. isn't big. Yeah. He's got so a, it, a, when he's he, got a when he, average floor and a, he's got an above average floor and a... He's a safety. He's a safe bet. Yeah. Who's going so, to give you yeah. extra offense every now and then? Yeah, and that's what I think is the best way to sustain a lead. So if they can get on a run through the middle, then give it to Pappenhausen because you give it to Pappenhausen in open space, no one in Canberra is going to be able to stop. Um, that's yeah. just unfortunate. Um, and that's what I reckon is beating the shit out of them all in the first twenty minutes. If they can get a sixteen point lead, bring these guys on the field. And just wear Canberra down. And Melbourne's the had the week off, so they'll be able to do that fresh. Whereas Canberra had had uh, a big game against the Roosters. Yeah. So who, who's your um, who's your tip in the end? Well, obviously I'm going Melbourne, but it's going to be I reckon, as Adam said, I don't know if you said it on the podcast or not. Um, I reckon um, this should have been the grand final. Not not should have, but. That should have fucked the Penrith. Fuck Penrith. <laughs> you can't say that on an unbiased pod. Jesus. Disregard that, everybody. And if I'd been an unbiased person. Um, I think it comes down to the style of footy you enjoy watching. Uh, I, I still prefer... I think the game over time's changed too much to the attacking side. And <clears throat> very similar to what 2020 is to cricket. I didn't like 2020 when it started. I don't like it now. I won't like it then. Um... There's my boy. Yeah. When I grew up, when when a six was hit in a one-dayer, it was a momentum changer. And you got really excited about it. In 2020 now, you close your eyes and swing, and the bats are so good and the bowls are so bad that you get a six anyway, and the fields are so small. I like watching league where you really have to earn your right to score a try, and you, you rumble through the forwards, and you really have that battle um that's the sort of game i expect to see between storm and storm and the raiders even if it ends up being high scoring i think that's going to be a fatigue thing in the second half rather than poor defense that's just the style of footy i like watching um if you really like high scoring try after try after try each way each way each way i could see the penrith rabbitos game doing that um both teams can be really good defensively but if their attack's on, we saw what the Rabbitohs did last week against a team who's had a pretty solid defense all year uh, in Parramatta. And we saw what Penrith did to the Roosters in the first round, putting uh, 20 points on them. And that's against one of the best defensive teams too. So they can both score and they can both defend. But I believe this one has a higher chance to shoot out uh, compared to the Canberra uh, Storm game. And if you're a person who enjoys watching shootouts, I... I predicting the second game to be more like that. 6.50 game on the Saturday night. 6.50 Queensland time, 7.50 New South Wales. Nah. Uh, it's at ANZ yeah. Stadium, so Penrith are away Just like from... to throw it out there, everyone in Queensland, watch that daylight saving if you're trying to meet up. Meet with, yeah, we meet went to have an meet. interview last night and we rocked up an hour late forgetting about daylight saving the first night. Okay, so the Penrith-South Sydney game. For Pembroke, you've got Dylan Edwards at the back with Brian Toto and Josh Mance on the wings. Brent Naden, <laughs> Stephen Crichton, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary. Up front, you've got James Fisher-Harris at Coruscant at nine. James Tamo, Liam Martin, Kurt Capewell, Isaiah Yo. Round out the back, the back row. 
And you got Tyron May, Spencer Lenny, 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 Moses Leoch, and Zane Tedavano. You got Mitch Kenny, Dean Faro, Matt Burden, and Jack Hedrington. Where's Spencer Lenny well, come from? He's been there for a while. Okay, for South Sydney, you got Corey Allen at the back with Jackson Paul or Alex Johnson. Campbell Graham, I just forgot his first name. Dane Gagai and Cody Walker with Adam Rand for the half and captain. Then you got Tom Burgess, Damian Cook, Junior Totola, Bailey Searin and Jaden Sewer and Cam Murray at lock. Wait a minute. Mark Nichols. Oh, it was Kurt Liam Capel. Huh? That was in instead of Spencer Lenny. Oh, okay. Liam Knight, <laughs> Jed Cartwright and Kula Matagi. Then you got Isen Masters, Harmony Sally, Troy Duggan and Patrick Margo. <coughs> Tell you that, what, so South are unchanged. Tell you what, though, um, with South backline, um, if anyone needed oh, a power, sorry, I keep jumping in. Billy Army Kickout didn't get of his suspension. That's oh, he's, yeah. he's missing. Kurt Capel's in the starting side. Um, yeah, okay. And Spencer Lenny comes in. So, so that's a big loss. I know, Adam's oh, actually yeah, more relevant to the conversation we're having, but I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though he interrupted very politely. By banging the desk. Um, so, if someone in in recruitment needed someone in the back line, um, I reckon South Sydney needed a way to go because they've got James Roberts and Latrell Mitchell not playing, and they've got Eason Masters sitting on the bench on the reserves. Stephen and Masters. their back line, sorry, Stephen Masters. Stephen Masters, sorry, and their back line's still amazing. So you got Corey Allen, a decent fullback, Jackson Paul, Alex Johnson, Campbell Graham, Dan Gagai, Cody. So if someone could promise one of those boys more first grades at the time, I, I could. Well, look, I, I would love Stephen Masters to come to Newcastle. Imagine that centre pairing, Bradman Best and Stephen Masters. Yeah, right, I'd take that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's not Man, that's consistent, uh, that's completely irrelevant. I'm just saying that. Recruitment-wise, they've got a lot of outside backs and not a lot of... Um, oh, wow. Kick-out's a big got, loss. Yeah. In, in their back five, they've got eight players. NRL stand. That's pretty pretty solid. I, I'm i looking at this going, how much damage Kick-out did with Crichton uh, against the Roosters and replacing him with Catewell, who we are both big fans on uh, of, yeah. and we'll... More than likely push his way into the Queensland squad, especially if he has a, a big one here. Uh, Liam Martin from New South Wales, similar. Uh, completely different player to kick out. You're not going to get the big rampaging body with the offload, with the footwork. You're you going to get more that's... speed. You're going to get IQ, like rugby league IQ. He understands the game really well. He puts himself in. It is um, a downgrade, you know... but in a different way. Worse. Um, do you know what a lot of people don't the word um, give no, Kikau credit for? Which people? Yeah, he's defence. Yeah, he's an epic defender. Like when I coached under eights and under nines, if you had a tall, big kid, yes, they're great in attack to give the ball to because everyone runs away from. Them. But if you can get them to bend their back and actually tackle, that's more impressive for me. And that's what Kikau does really well. Like he will throw himself Superman style, his arms out, trying to wrap someone up from behind or from the sides and stuff like that. You don't see a lot of guys with the size to he has to do that. Um, that's actually the most impressive thing I, f- I see about Kickout. Like, everyone his size and speed can do what he does. Like, oh, sorry, someone with his spite, size, speed, and skill should be doing what he does in attack. 
but they can kind of get away with it in defense, if that makes sense. They can kind of get away with just making the bare tackles. He makes a lot of 1% tackles that don't mean anything to anyone, but he does Yeah, you know, I, I, that's the part I really like about it. Um, Kirk Capewell, well, that's the thing. He's known for those 1% tackles when he does that kind of stuff, So, but he won't be just as damaging. Yeah, so I think I'm just looking at their um, at their forward pack and like um, Fisher-Harris is going to give him go forward. Tamo will give him go forward. Um Martin will, but they are going to lose punch on their left side. Stephen Crichton has been fantastic in his rookie year. Uh, and I'm assuming what they play on the left side, Graham's on the right. Yeah, so it'll be Crichton versus Graham. Is he going to get the playable speed required to be able to get Graham on the back foot? If, so, if he does, he's going to have a field day because Graham was one of the poorer defenders for South last week. Uh, he was caught quite flat-footed a couple of times. He he came in on Takarangi a couple of times, uh, which was probably not the right call. And that'll be Kurt Capewell running that line uh, with Edwards, I guess, doing a sweep play. He, he's a, a weaker defender, I think, positionally than Gagai, uh, even though he's the bigger body. It's weird. If, if that was Kikau in there running at that side, that's where I'd be going all day as Penrith. South, it's hard to pinpoint where their attack's been coming from. Uh, Cody Walker and Adam Rennie. No, 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 but they've been part of it. But there's only the, the moves I remember last week that Reynolds had a hand in where he was getting the ball in the middle of the field and shifting out to the edges. On the left side, he did an inside outside ball, whereas on the right side, it was a give and go. And it wasn't till, um, it, it wasn't like they were controlling the entire game, they were just injecting themselves here and there. Corey Allen's been sweeping and setting up plays. You've had second phase play coming off the back of Burgess to Toller's run. Damian Cook's been starting to run and setting up some stuff. It's been a very balanced attack with Cody Walker and Reynolds sprinkling like their creative magic and speed on it. Whereas uh, a lot of Penrith stuff starts and stops with their halves. Um, not that that's a weakness because they've been doing such a great job. It's just when defending against South right now is really tough because you shut down one area and there's still firepower elsewhere. I'm having a tough time tipping this. Two weeks ago, it's Penrith, 100%. This is the first time this sort of squad's had a week off and a week break and have to amp up for it again. And just looking through that list, how many players would have been in that position before? Uh, Coruscant with the Eagles, Tarmau with the Cowboys. That's it. Oh, wait, the- what's this? One a premiership? No, no, no. Had had... Been playing, had the week off, had to come back, lift the intensity. Tedavano just did it two years in a row. Oh, Tedavano, yeah, so I wasn't looking at the bench. Um, they've all done yeah. it off buys, obviously, but going into a prelim final is completely different. Um, South-wise, you've got a few players who are here from the previous grand final. Um, they'll be able to coach the boys through as well. But in saying that, they're still... Well, you've got Gagai, big game experience. Alex Johnson's been there. Walker, Reynolds, Cook, Burgess. Yeah, I don't know, eh? What are you thinking? Uh, for this game? Yeah. Um, look, Pembroke's got to be the favourites going into it. Oh, yeah, they'll be the favourites. No, no, no. For, for me, um, I don't think the week off's going to matter too much to Pembroke. I think the enthusiasm this young squad's not going to be yeah, tempered. Yeah. Um, but I see um, Rabbits sneaking one up on them. I, I, I will admit, I haven't been a fan of both of these teams all year. Um, 
That's Jared's big analysis. I hate both these teams. They're only in the prelim finals. Well, I, no, I never said hate. Well, actually, I said I hate Penrith. So, but I wouldn't be surprised if South Sydney were really up for this. I reckon it's going to be 60, 70 point game. Um, both these teams. So, because I think what's, what's Penrith scored 180 points in the last three games or something like that. Um, they've done absolutely amazing with their attack in the last however long. Um, Penrith are probably going to be coming up against a team a lot like them. So, you know, halves on fire. You've got a, a young cent, a young tall, rangy cent, center scoring tries at will because I think Campbell Graham's what, scored five tries in the last three games or something. Um, and then you've got, I think the biggest thing they could um, have right now is Jaden Sewer. So you, you do have that. Liam Martin in second row for Penrith, who's just a battering ram. But you got Jaden Sewer, who is a battering ram, but can can do it, can do the same thing kick out can. So they're coming up against a guy who can cause that much damage to you. Um, He's just starting around in just some yeah, real decent form too. Yeah, so Sounds like a bloody race. I think Sewer could be up for a pretty big game. Um, the center pairing, center battle is going to be really good because you've got Crichton versus Graham and then you've got Gay Guy versus Naden. So for, oh, I already said what Crichton and Naden are going to bring. There's going to be just trying to run around each other the entire game. It's going to be great. I think positionally, Graham's a bit better than Crichton. So right now, I think Crichton's is relying on natural talent. Graham's kind of honed his craft a bit more. In attack, he uh, has. Yeah. Um, Graham, Gay Guy versus Naden. See, because both these teams are such high-scoring... Well, they're both such high-scoring teams. Um, the thing about it is, just for that reason, their back lines are strong. So I believe the hardest to defend in the back line is in the centres. So if those centres aren't strong defensively, see ya, you're gone. Because these... Yeah. So, and Naden's more a defensive centre, but he's going to go up against probably the most experienced centre in the competition are... Minus Michael Jennings. So Gay Guy can has the potential to rip rip through him on this one. But it's just it's just depends. This game's de- depends on defense. Because if we both know they can attack, whoever least this is gonna sound really obvious. Whoever lets the least amount of points. Um because You heard it here first, folks. Well, it's not it's not wrong because <laughs> it, Well, it's not wrong, because, it's hundred percent right. Well, stop fucking giving me shit then. Um no, because these both teams have the potential to score 40 points on each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The team who only lets in 38 is going to win. Um, Cleary's going to come up against the most pressure he's ever come up against because he's up against Adam Reynolds, who's actually proven he can do this. In and he's playing really well the last couple of weeks. I think you got yeah, to say criticism early in the Yeah, I was just more on this kicking, just because Cleary's got a really good average. But when it comes down to kicking... In pressure moment, right now, who's better than Adam Reynolds? I, I thought you were going to say right now, clear he's not great. I'm like, no, he's pretty good. No, 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 right, Ben. No, no, I'm in Cam Smith. In pressure moments, Adam Reynolds is the yeah. best kicker. He was his kicking um, was on point last week. I'm just looking at their yes. for and against over the whole season. Uh, Penrith four five thirty seven, Rabbitohs four five twenty one. So yeah, they can both score points. They were the um, first, and, oh sorry, second and fourth highest marks of the whole season. Uh, and I think right now, there's more pressure on Pembroke in this game. Oh, yeah. Much They're more. the big dog. Yeah. They're the big dog. They're the ones who's supposed to win this easily, go on to win the grand final. Rabbits, they're chasing. 
they got nothing to lose in this game. They can throw the ball around all they care. They've they already had two games. It, it'd be very interesting how Penrith handled Rooster pressure. Penrith let in 28 points against the Roosters. Uh, Rabbitohs have averaged 22 points against in two finals games. Uh, against the Knights and the Eels. So 20 in one game, 24 in the other game, 22 average. I, I, I It's been a fair while since I've, I've looked at a finals game and been uh, lo- looked at two prelim finals and really struggled to pick winners. So I still think last year, the year before, as soon as the Roosters were in one or Storm were in one, you're like, well, they'll win that one. It depends who gets in out of the other one. Um, and then when they verse each other in the prelims, you're like, well, shit, I don't know. But both of these games, I, I am tipping one team, but with, with little to no confidence that they are really odds-on favourite. I All I'm going for in this game is the known. I, I know that the Rabbits can get up for this game. I know the form um, the, of the last two weeks and how they've won, especially last week where they were pressurised at points and come back. I know I'm betting against everything Penrith have done this year and how good they have been. Yeah, I'm going to go Rabbits for some weird, sneaky gut feel, um, which means Penrith will win 40 nil. So I'm going Penrith. Um, I think that I think the re- the, the week off is going to help them. Yes, sir. Um, and they've been having the most fun in the bubble by the look of it. There's so many young guys without fans. Yeah, so they've had the easiest time in the bubble. I went back and said it. I'll say it again. At the start of the year, I tipped Broncos because yeah. they've got such a young team. Penrith. Penrith have proven me right, proven me right with the wrong team. Essentially, uh, I'm picking Penrith because, like Adam said, they've had the week off, they're relaxed. Um, the only way that Souths can win this if they have the game of their life. And, and young guys don't feel pressure too. Yeah, sneak up on them and Penrith crumble under the expectation of where they're at. Which that's another thing for the young team they have. I don't think they care about expectation. I don't think they care about the legacies. I don't did think you, they care about the rep. Did you tip one in the first game? Yeah, I think Melbourne. And I'm going to tip Canberra. Um, I feel this year is the best chance we've seen of a team outside the eight winning the grand final. Because I well, give... that's impossible. No, it's not. Because Raiders finished it fifth. Is. Raiders oh. finished fifth. Outside the top four, yeah. sorry. Outside the top eight, my bad. Outside the top yeah. four... So, um, like, what, what do you reckon? Is Warriors are going to just come and sneak it up on people, do you? Well, if Storm's in it, we know that's their bogey. So, um, to me, this is the greatest chance that someone outside the top four can win their grand final. So, I give 100%. the Rabbitohs and the Raiders a, a decent, to beyond decent chance of beating their top four opposition. And every time there's been someone outside the top four get to the grand final, uh, Manly versus Warriors in 2011, you're like, uh... Um, still, yeah, it was kind of like, well, congratulations, you made it. You're about to get your ass kicked. Um, well, see, Cowboys versus um, Storm. You're like, oh, but this year I was going. This is legitimately a chance that someone outside the top four will get, uh, will win the grand final. Obviously, they both need to win. Um, if Penrith win and Canberra win, I'll be picking Penrith most likely for the grand final because I think it might be three in a row. Uh, if Rabbitohs win and Storm win, I'll be picking Storm. So. Tell you what, if Penrith and Canberra win, I'll struggle to even watch that game. Oh, get out. <laughs> two long-suffering, well, two, yeah, two long-suffering um, teams, French, uh, supporter bases. Well, long-suffering, 2003s. Yeah, actually, that's a fair while. It's 17. Okay, yeah. so um, I just want to throw it because I did forget to um, say at the start. Um, I, oh, sorry, are you done with your analysis? Yeah, I was just coughing. 
Okay. So uh, you didn't bang the table. That's where I got confused. Oh. Um, yeah. So I did want to say that so if you jump on the Warriors Instagram and Facebook pages, yesterday was the day they actually um, got released from their isolation in New Zealand. Oh, so there's no a few videos of um, them seeing their families. So get on that because it's super adorable. Oh, look at that. And on that, that's going to be our finishing note. Yeah. Uh, remember, if there's if there's team list changes, uh, we'll throw them up on Twitter and on um, Facebook. Otherwise, jump on them in between, chase out, and uh, we'll chat to you guys, maybe even from Suncorp Stadium uh, Friday night, if not Sunday night or Monday morning. Bye. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's Craft Beer Choice of the Week.